Church family, it's a joy to bring you God's word this morning. I am George Adu, a pastoral resident here at First Free. Have you ever wondered or been to a place where everything looks different? For me, it was my very first trip to the U.S. from Ghana. And when I landed at JFK Airport, it was cold. I had to think and go, like, no, this is late November, George. You should expect it. I brought summer clothes from Ghana. And... Boy, in real time, I felt cold. What I experienced was the difference between a warm summer in Ghana and the cold winter in the U.S. And our passage today is from the book of Zephaniah. And Zephaniah presents us with two different experiences a difference far greater than the difference I experienced between warm Ghana and cold winter in the U.S. A difference of how we will experience the return of Christ. Both experiences are related to the same day. And he calls this day the day of the Lord. It is a day of great rejoicing for some, It is a day of tragic weeping for others. Zephaniah calls us to think. He calls us to think about the day of the Lord. He calls us to think about the two ways that people will experience the Lord's coming. And to answer for ourselves, if the day of the Lord is going to be good news or bad news. And as we will find out, it all depends. It all depends on whether or not we seek the Lord. Please open your Bibles with me to the book of Zephaniah. You know, Zephaniah is one of those books hard to find in the Bible. It's so small you can miss it. So let me help us out. It's Zephaniah finds itself right after Habakkuk and before Haggai. And if you blink, you're going to miss it. Our passage covers the last part of Zephaniah. It deals with the experience of great joy. But before Zephaniah gets to this good news, he first points us to the bad news. So before we read our passage, I want to spend some time for us to feel the burden of the book, to set the stage, so to speak. Zephaniah first shows us how the day of the Lord is bad news. He begins by showing how the proud will experience the day of the Lord. The proud are those who do not seek the Lord. And they are those who also stop looking for God. The day of the Lord is a day 
God will gather those who do not seek him. And in this gathering, he will gather them for judgment. In response to this action, Zephaniah 1 verse 7 gives us the command to be silent before the Lord God. For the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his guest. It's a day of weeping for those who exalt in themselves and a day of sorrow for those who exalt in their idols. All who do not seek the Lord are going to be judged by God on this day. Both Judah and the nations are judged. Yes, sadly, even Judah is going to be judged. For there were some of God's people who had presumed on the Lord's goodness. They lived in sin with a false sense of assurance. We can see it in Zephaniah 1.12. God says, At that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. And God says, he will sweep them away. He will gather them for judgment because they were God's people in name only. Their lives were not different from the Gentile nations. In Zephaniah 1.15, we see a picture of this judgment. And I read, it's a day of wrath, a day of distress, a day of anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Zephaniah was not seeking to cause fear and panic. All he hoped for was that Judah would turn around and repent, hoping many would turn to God and be saved. Zephaniah points his audience to this very hope in chapter 2, verse 3, where he pleads with Judah. And here he pleads with his people to seek the Lord in humility because the day of the Lord is coming. It's only good news for those who humbly seek God. And also, those who seek the Lord are the ones who are going to rejoice on the day of the Lord. The humble are going to be exalted by God. And God's plan for the humble is to save them. Do you see it in chapter 3, verse 12? But I will leave in your midst a people, humble and lowly. They shall seek refuge in the name of the Lord. And now God calls these humble and lowly people to sing for joy. This is what we see in Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 to 20. These are the remnants God calls to sing for joy. These are the ones dependent on God's mercies and those who have been saved by Yahweh. So we have now come to our passage for this morning. Please stand if you are able for the reading of God's word. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. 
the Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcast and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. So we now find ourselves with those who rejoice on the day of the Lord. We are in the company of those called to sing for joy. The main idea today is that the people who seek the Lord should rejoice at his coming. The people who seek the Lord should rejoice at his coming. And why should we sing for joy? Zephaniah gives us four reasons why God's people should sing for joy. In verse 14, we see a call for God's people to sing aloud. Zephaniah calls God's people to rejoice with all their hearts. There is no holding back in this joy. Israel now sings with all their hearts. And at this time in the history of Israel, the northern kingdom, which goes by the name Israel, had already been sent into exile. They were in captivity by the Assyrians. Yet Zephaniah mentions in verse 14, those who are called to sing are Israel. Surely Zephaniah is not calling captive Israel to sing. Rather, he calls out a remnant, a people purified by God, a new Israel, so to speak. This new Israel is the daughter of Zion. Those who get to sing are those who delight in God. You see, church family, true joy is a response to what God has done. True joy delights in what God delights in. Like many of the people in Zephaniah's day, people today take joy in all kinds of things. Many take joy in material things rather than in God. But God's people are to take delight in him, in what he has done for his people. At the beginning of the book, Zephaniah called the proud to be silent. But now he calls those who are humble to sing, 
to shout. And there are four reasons for this shout of victory. There are four reasons why God's people are to give praise to God. The first reason we see is that God has forgiven us and he has taken away our fears. God has forgiven us and he has taken away our fears. The shouts of praise and victory is because Yahweh has forgiven his people. This forgiveness is seen in the removal of judgment. Those who seek the Lord no longer have to fear. The humble are going to flourish after judgment. God is a mighty warrior in the midst of his redeemed. And his presence drives out every fear from them. Sin calls for judgment. And only God can forgive sins. Our forgiveness is a removal of God's judgment against us. And we did not pay the price for this forgiveness. We can look to the cross and see who paid the price. Christ paid the ultimate price for us. And there is no greater joy in knowing that our sins have been forgiven. Did you catch it in verses 15 to 16? The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. Why should we sing for joy? Because God has forgiven us. And he has taken away our fears. Beloved, fear is, is a crippling thing. And it can rob us of our joy. Just like God's people in Zephaniah's day, we face many unknowns today. Sometimes our fear screams at us. You know, your loneliness will never go away. At times, this fear will shout, you are never going to measure up. And in the silence of the night, it may whisper to us, you will never have enough. These burdens are real. And as a church, we want to name them. We want to pray about them. We also want to bear one another's burden. But one thing is for sure. Our fears won't last for eternity. But our joy will. Our joy will last for eternity. Our joy in our Savior who is in our midst. We can sing joyfully in the midst of pain because we can see the sun. We can see Emmanuel, God with us. And he's coming again, friends. He's coming again to make all things right. 2021 is almost done. Are we looking forward to 2022 with hope? If yes, what is the basis of our hope? On what do we ground this hope? Our only true hope, friends, is found in Christ Jesus. 
the world around us needs a people who can sing. Those who can sing a song of the redeemed. Let's sing as those who have peace with God and live as a people with hope. The second reason we should sing for joy is because God sings joyfully over us. God sings joyfully over us. Our God in our midst is not silent. The God who calls his faithful to sing is not passive. He sings. God sings aloud over his faithful. Have you ever pondered or reflected on this truth? That the God of the universe sings over you. When we look down deep in our hearts and we see all the things we cannot change, we have to see that only God can. And he has done it in Christ. Because of that, the judge has become the savior. The warrior has become the lover. I don't know about you, but there's a lot to be thankful for when I think about this. There is a lot to be joyful for. God's delight is shown in loud singing. He sings aloud over his people. In verse 17, we find God singing. The Lord is not singing over the proud, over those who exalt in themselves. God only delights in those who trust in him, not those who trust in their silver and gold. The humble are those whom God rejoices over, and they are those God saves. In Zephaniah 1.17, we see this truth. And this verse has been so profound in the Old Testament that Many scholars have labeled it the John 3.16 of the Old Testament. Look at me, uh, look with me as I read verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Why should we sing for joy? Because God sings joyfully over us. This leads us to the third reason we sing for joy. It's because God will gather his people for a feast. God will gather his people for a feast. Yes, when God comes, he's going to gather the world for judgment. But he will also gather his people his faithful ones. God will gather all who trust in him and celebrate with them. The people of Judah who went into exile longed to return to Jerusalem. They longed to be in the presence of God and they longed for the Passover so they get to feast with God. The Passover was not meant to be celebrated outside Jerusalem. 
So this is why God assures his people. God says exile is not the last word on his redeemed people. And just like the remnant in the days of Zephaniah, we also look forward to a city. To a city whose builder is the Lord. And where we will be gathered together to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb. This longing is a good thing. This longing gives us hope in the here and now as we wait patiently for it shapes how we live. And so God assures his people in verse 18, I will gather those of you who mourn, who long for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Home is where those who mourn cry no more. Home is where those who are in exile have their tears wiped away. And then we will sit at the table with our Lord. The fourth and last reason to sing for joy is because God gives his people a great name. God gives his people a great name. In those days, the lame and the outcast had no reputation. They were actually on the margins of life. But God gives them a special mention. God extends his promises to the least among his people. God says, none who trust in him shall be excluded. Imagine those on the invite list of the rich and famous today. I bet they are likely going to be rich and famous as well. Usually it comes down to the size of your bank account. Or perhaps your great looks. I don't think I have both. (laughs) At least you've got to bring something to the table to be worth something. Maybe a unique ability or talent. But on God's invite list, we see everyone who humbly seeks him is invited. If you are saved, you are on God's invite list. It's about whether or not you are saved. And God promises all who come to him a great name. All who believe in Christ shall receive praise and renown. In verse 19, we find these two words, praise and renown. And they are repeated for emphasis in verse 20. With these two words, God says he will give praise and renown to all who seek him, including the lame and the outcast. The ESV translates the Hebrew word for name as renown in both verses 19 and 20. The word name points to a promise God gave to Abraham in Genesis 12, verse 2. God said to Abraham then, I will make your name great. Those who seek to make a name for themselves are the proud who are excluded. God is the one who makes us glorious. And without God, God's people have not just 
no name, but a bad name. One day, all that will count is whether you have Christ's name. God's people have a name only in the name of God. See if you can catch it in verses 19 and 20. Behold, at that time, I will deal with all your oppressors, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth. When I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. In a world filled with darkness, God shines forth his light. When all is dark around us, we should be comforted by the promises of God. Zephaniah opened his prophecy in chapter 1, verse 1, with, with the word of the Lord. And he doesn't just open his book with this phrase, he also closes the book with, says the Lord. It is no coincidence. God will watch over every word. He will accomplish every promise of his word. And you can be sure of that. We who seek the Lord should rejoice at his coming. God came the first time to make a home among us. He came as Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. In a manger he laid the king of Israel, born to save all who believe in him. After his death and resurrection, he ascended to heaven and he's going to come again. Jesus is coming again to take us home. And when he returns, it will be a day of rejoicing for some and a day of weeping for others. For us who have placed our faith in Jesus, may this message give us hope and joy this festive season. The king who comes to judge the world is our risen Lord and Savior. We should rejoice because we have placed our faith in Jesus and in his finished work on our behalf. He has pronounced us righteous. C.S. Lewis is on point when he describes the glory of those God delights in. It's about He makes mention of this in his book, The Weight of Glory. He says, the promise of glory is almost incredible and only possible by the work of Christ. That some of us, that any of us who really chooses shall actually survive that examination, shall find approval, shall please God, to be loved by God, not merely pitied, but delighted in as an artist delights in his work or a father in a son. It seems impossible 
a weight of burden of glory, which our thoughts can hardly sustain. But so it is. We will sing loud because our God and Savior is in our midst. And this is good news. For those of you who have not placed your faith in Jesus, the day of the Lord is going to be a terrible day. It will be a day of weeping, a day of judgment. But it doesn't have to be so. This joy can be yours too if you place your faith, if you trust in Jesus. God's judgment against you will be taken away. When you acknowledge your sins, repent and believe in Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Then the king will rejoice over you as you sing with joy. As a people who seek the Lord, we should rejoice in his coming. We should be a people who rejoice because we have been saved. Please pray with me. Our loving God, we thank you for your love and mercies. For giving us your only begotten son, Jesus. To come to us in our wretched state and to save us from our sins. And because of Jesus, we get, we get to call you Father as we celebrate his first coming, may we be reminded of his second coming. And so live as a people ready for him, ready to welcome him in joy. In Jesus' name, amen.